Okay. Kia ora everybody, what's up? It's Rebecca. welcome to Rebecca Live, uh, another episode. Uh, the bro, Kia Dillon, how are you, mate? Doing all right, good to see you, man. Thanks for having me on here. Uh, we're just, the, this kicked off because last week we were talking to Mace, and the first question I asked him, and I guess I'll ask the same with you, is what's it like to wake up in 2020 in September and in a different world not be in New Zealand at the Burden Open with <laughs> <laughs> in California with yeah. fires and heat and, 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 and craziness? Does it feel right? like a dream for you also? Oh, man. Actually, you know, the crazy thing is it's been so long since I've been in New Zealand, which I love it down there. It's always magical. I mean, that feels like the, like the dream, right? The good dream. Um, like you said, in the mountains and just kind of worrying about like fun things. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I love it. It's why I even love these conversations. It's like flashbacks to all that, you know, that the beauty of, of all of that. But yeah, I mean, the world's crazy right now, right? Like, you know, it's everyone's definitely getting, uh, getting hit from all sides and all angles. Um, but, you know, I think for me, going through the past kind of year and a half, which is a total train wreck, this almost feels like normal. <laughs> It's got like cool, <laughs> like everyone's kind of like getting on the same level. So I don't know. I think it's uh, I think like anything that the tunnel of transformation. Um, nobody wants to go through it, but it's it's. Uh, I think it's actually very helpful, and that's kind of what we're going through as a world right now. So, what's that thing? Grab the lessons. Time goes undefeated, and one of the things I'm really interested about talking with crew. You know, you're a little bit older older than myself, but the transition of when you're in a world at a moment and then after you're out of it do you look back and were you did were you aware that you were in a moment or did you just feel like that was um i'm really intrigued in the headspace of how do you know what i mean yeah you know for sure i think i think there's different levels of the moment right like even just so like the the snowboarder uh interviews came out like the black issue and um, doing that interview with Trevor Andrew, which was an awesome experience, like diving back, he's like one of his questions, like what were like the three defining moments of your career? And when you really boil it down to like a singular moment, kind of like for me, the World Superpipe Championship, I think it was like 2002 or something where I did the McTwist and it was seen everywhere. In that moment, I had no idea, right? I was just, I was just trying to have fun, get some shots maybe. I knew that I wasn't gonna do well at the contest and just make the best of a, of a, of a situation. And that was like a life, defining right like i was gonna get fired i, I didn't get fired i talked about all the interview but it was so in that moment no i think as a snowboarder you get to a point where at least for me you're making enough money you realize you're sacri you're sacrificing college and friendships and life and all these things and you're like okay if i'm giving up all that which that's fun too i want to make the most of it so i think you're present in knowing that this is a short opportunity i'm going to get old new kids are coming up all those sorts of things let's let's grab it um, but I think the real magic moments are the ones that when you're just fully locked into your, your sweet spot, your craft, um, you're, you're like connected to your subconscious meaning you're just flowing. I think that's the best recipe for those magical moments to happen. Like they always say like the luck favors, they're prepared. Right. Um, I think there's, I guess the different levels is what I kind of say. So yes, kind of. Does it, um, when you felt yourself in the zone where you know it's the mega mctwist with the flipping big sony headphones the shirtless whatever like there's just these i think you've weirdly enough certain people have had um within snowboarding you know like jp had the do rag you had that you know mark frank had the no grab back one devin walsh had the, you know yeah. the front one like all that sort of that sort of stuff does it feel 
pretty rad knowing that you're those moments that you created have actually become not only part of folklore but actual snowboard world history for all legacy does does, does that make sense no no 100 percent um i think how you say i think i i give a lot more respect to like uh i guess some other people's like like mark frank's 180s like six style trevor andrews mctwist six style like i didn't always love my mctwist um but I, I, it was it was my expression of it. So I, I'm I'm grateful for that for sure. I think kind of like those things. Like it's weird, right? This balance where like when you're young, and I talk about this in the interview too. Like when you're young, you're just like you're fighting, and you're like your ego is. I don't know, ego is not the exact word, but like your confidence is so big because you're trying to like overcome so much and you're trying to show up and all these things. Um, and I think then if you're blessed to have success or a long career in anything, I think humility comes in because you realize that like, whoa, a lot of people helped you get here. A lot of happenstances, a lot of like, you, you realize the village behind you that creates that. And I guess for me, it's more like, yeah, I just feel blessed, right? On the front end, be like, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, but at the end, you're kind of like, wow, like, I just feel very grateful for, for that opportunity and, and for it to be embraced, right? It could, could be the opposite. Well, I, th I think the, what you touched on there with that moment it's not that it's arrogance or confidence but it feels like that the apex where, where the timing meets with your talent to mm -hmm. the industry at the time for the moment you know like i felt and i've talked this a bunch with you know um people in new zealand especially the the impact of what snow park had was it was the timing of where the sport was and the industry and the physical location and the people coming down you know i think you you hit a you hit an apex at that spot with your time and the talent and and the, yeah. the movement um when you obviously you're you know east coast kids and then you now you're living out in the west um when you first made that were you always on burton before when yeah what was that they, first jump up was that yeah what was the hook in there yeah so i um well my dad was a ski bum grew up on the east coast like he said um i've been skiing since i was four at started snowboarding 11 and that was right at the time when actually joyride was like the like the dope company uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and my friends had bought like the filch and it was like the sickest board and then uh Burton Rep Rider the year before was like, it was a, it was like a moguls company too, just to date how old it was. Um, he was like, he's like, yeah, you're pretty good or something. And I said something cocky back to him, but then he ended up giving me my first snowboard as a rep rider. And, um, and yeah, from that day I was with Burton and all their subsidiaries and we kind of, you know, the bolt-on companies from there, but yeah, from a rep rider to the end. One of the things i've been really intrigued with is legacy within within brand and apart from tierge and a few of them i almost get disappointed sometimes years later when you see someone that was so iconic on a brand then rocking something totally different and it feels like all that stuff's been disappeared and i had this idea and i, I was going to talk to you know jeff or one of the crew about it and just be like okay after i think there's certain characters instead of just you know putting them out to pasture of like your contract's up see you later piss off wouldn't it be epic to have like the yearly like hall of fame like retirement party and it has your video section of it from when you were 17 to 27 or 37 what it is and it yeah. just celebrates you just going out on top like your way and, and it, it shows like your whole thing like a, this is your life of shredding because i don't feel and my, for my opinion anyway when i look at like legends that i was sort of looking up to as a young buck i know that they had such a huge impact on the world of snowboarding but i don't i, I don't feel that the the transition end piece out of something that people are so careful care they care about and they put their lives online i don't feel a lot of the time the athlete and the talent are truly respected to the brand for how much they actually gave back to it and i was just wondering of like you know how do they better acknowledge legends in a better way 
um, to give them more legacy and or acknowledgement around that as well. And that's something that I've I've been thinking a little bit lately as as well. Yeah. No. I mean, it's I think every athlete, right? That's kind of even the, towards the end of your contract or the big contracts, like we're going to be with you forever. And you know, having having run a company um, and had athletes and stuff, I, I think I, I I tasted both. Yeah, in a perfect world, in a more mature industry, um, yeah, that'd be awesome, right? Like what they, what they've done, you know, with Terry still being on there, or you know, like I, same thing. I, anytime I see Brush, you know, Jeff Brush, he was a legend for me, and it's kind of like, like he should still be getting free boards. He should still be getting some like respect. Like he created the company. I think there's like when you draw the line of of who actually you know impacted the industry, and I, I guess I have empathy for the companies that don't. Um, but yes, it'd be awesome. Um, if more did, I think a lot of that comes back full circle to um, passionate people that create more of like Hall of Fames or um, you know hold up those torches while companies are out still trying to hit their 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 goals, right? Um, mm. But yeah, it's you know, and it happens a lot. I mean, even Trevor, I think he he, he designed the board for another company, you know, and you're just like, dude, that should be Burton. Um, but also, a lot of times it doesn't always do well, right? A lot of times, athletes are we, we we think we're better than we are, or we think we have more years than we are, or like, hey, our marketability isn't there, but the love is still there, and I still want to shred. But there's just there's so much complexity to it, right? Um, yeah. Where I'd love to say it's all the company's fault, but I don't know. I think it's a uh, I don't know. Even just reflection of the snowboarder stuff now. For a long time, I I wasn't dipping into snowboarding, right? I had like lied to myself about how fun it was, and it's cool to be like, hey, I, I let myself down in in not staying relevant in in posting things or snowboarding and stuff. So I can't I can't blame another company for that. I didn't put inside you know the work from my end either. When um when I was talking with Mace, we talked about the progression of these these sort of these sort of transitions where I think it got to about two thousand and. I don't know when Sean did the, the doubles at 2010 or, or, or nine, maybe at the winter winter games in New Zealand. Um, it felt like that was a moment where half pipe riding went from uh, a Ross Powers 1080s with a little grab just at towards the end to a Danny Davis 1080, which was grabbed, I guess, more the whole way to then a double cork. There's kind of these, these things and now we see the rest of it. When, yeah. when you were competing at that, at that time and then saw, um, cause you obviously up the mix world champs done, you obviously down for New Zealand, the bunch, how did you balance off, you making the decision of if you wanted to go down that route to start trying the the doubles and the rest of it as well. Like, what was your mental stuff happening internally of looking at the young bucks to looking at what was happening around you? How did you navigate that mentally in terms of the strategy of how? Because you still competed and, and crushed, but you know, how, how do you go through that? Yeah, I, I think it's one. I think it's it's the it's the struggle that every athlete, at least in action sports, goes through. Right? It's such an innovative. Um, stage right and it's constantly being reinvented um, over and over and over um, I think within that there are these these periods these time periods right and I think that becomes the, the gates or the flags that you're aiming for so like you said well it was the back-to-back -back 1080s which you knew that if you had those you could go up to most contests in, in podium and if it was like you know uh, the open or something massive like it come down to some other factors but um, for me, it was always like, what do I need strategically to be able to have in my arsenal to pull out? And I think that's why Sean was always the best is if I showed up in an event and I was super lucky and I learned all my tricks, then yeah, maybe I could win like ultra lucky or you know, I'd do okay. But the chance of that happening where I had to bat 100, right? Where like Sean was like, okay, cool. I'm going to show up and I have to ride at 85. I have to give you a B grade run and I'm going to win, <laughs> right? So it's like, but, but we all knew that, right? Like I knew that like, 
you know, like my front side spins were weak. Um, okay. But how do I architect my run, my run around that? And then how in the summertime am I going like, to remedy that situation? And, and there's just like, there's so much muscle, muscle memory and bad habits or not bad habits, but bad habits in a way of the sport changing, right? Like spinning flat compared to spinning, um, on an axis compared to double, like it's, the movement of the body and unprogramming your mind, right? It's kind of like Tiger Woods when he had to reinvent his swing. And I think that's what Sean's such a genius at is that he can spin one way and he can reinvent his body again to spin the new, the new next level up. And then again, yeah, I mean, it was, it was the most frustrating thing because as it got harder, you're like, okay, if I don't have tens, I'm not going to be, it's, I'm, I'm not really like sit down, right? It's like you milk it or sit down. Um, so yeah, you said that, that in that one of the interviews, I remember you said, yeah. I think it was, this would have been 10 years ago. You said in an interview, I remember it. Yeah. If basically, if you don't have a double sit down. Yeah. And I don't mean that to be, to be neat. It's kind of like, it's a, and you can also like, I, I, when you're in the flow, I love it because, and you know, it's like when you, when you're feeling it, you can exceed past your limits and you let the muscle memory take over and like, you're just, you're flowing and stuff. And sometimes you can Im improve in the, in those moments, but a lot of times in that contest, right? You click in, you get sucked into the energy. But a lot of times you show up to learn a double, like the wall's not right. You got into an airbag. There's just so many factors that to push it that next level. Um, and then you have the, the self-preservation, right? Of like, cool, if I land this, my career could potentially take off. But if I fall, I could also like, I don't even like to like think about those things, right? And I think that is the balance. I think that's where age really has that effect of, when you're young, you don't really care. And then as you keep being hurt, you're like, I do. And then now even being yeah. old, I'm 43. I'm so blessed with how, how good my body feels for, for what I put it through. Right. And it's just like, mm. I'd be bummed right now if my knees were completely done. It's just like those sorts of things. When you're young, you kind of want to think about it. You don't. Yeah. The, the listening to your body, to what you know it can and can't do the muscle memory of having done something so long, you know, doing something one way specifically for so long to try and retrain that is super tricky, but then balance up on the fact that now, you know, I, I watch a YouTube clip of some 12 year old doing flipping 1080s or some shit. You're like, what is going on? Even, um, you know, when you watch like little skaters on the mega ramps and you're like, you're supposed to be at school. What are you doing, dude? <laughs> like what's happening? Did, um, when you, we're coming towards the ends of more of the competing stuff. You started to transition across into um, some MC work, a bit of presenting. I think you had a partnership with AMP. You did X Games. How did that come come about? Had you already? Because obviously, you know, you can talk good shit. You understand the, the technical elements of what's going on. How did that sort of was it part of the strategy to to think about? Hey, this is where I could kind of play next, or was it just you know? Did you get injured once? And you're like, stuff it. I'll jump on the mic. How did that? Because um, you had a good run there for doing that stuff for a bit. Oh, thanks. It um, I, don't know, I think uh, a lot of things. I think a lot of things that are at least that for me um, that I should do a balance of both, right? So, for instance, um, and actually, what you said too about things lining up. So, it was I was competing. I would say I'm I'm, I'm programmed more of an introvert with I can push into extrovert, right? So, like my natural um, sense is not to I'd say host and be the guy, um, but I can. Like, lean into it and I, I love telling people stories but for snowboarding it was i would get hurt and this is the time of like five four three two one or or fuel tv or oh, i feel like there was even one before that it was kind of like well do you want to come you know interview some people it's like yeah whatever i'm gonna go up to the pipe anyway so it was a mixture of that and then 
TV was just starting to come on where, where companies cared about it. So it was like, well, if you get 10 seconds of, of ABC or, or some other time, we're going to pay you X amount, like an incentive, right? So I remember when I was doing my contract, we worked in where I had a TV incentive. So like the amount of time I was on TV was how much I got paid. So then it was like the yeah. balance, like, wait a second. Your TV is on all the time, like, and there was no language to that because the, the network didn't really exist at that time. So it was like more opportunist of like, okay, well, you blew your knee out. You're, you want to go like travel around and do events because you're actually going to get paid more now in incentives than what if you competed. And it was like this crazy, like, I was up for this one hosting job, which if I would have got it, they would have had to pay me $6 million. Like that was like the, like, it was mind blowing of an incentive. Sales, sales gig. No, it, it's like it, but it was like those situations where like you, you, you do something like it's almost like, hey, you're gonna ask for a cover, and then by the way, you're doing daily covers, <laughs> like yeah. because you have your own magazine, but it's somehow still allowed. So it was a mixture of that's what allowed me to to focus on the craft of it. Like I drive up to LA every week and and take lessons and do sort of stuff like that. And then um, X Games has a ton of teaching and programming to help and Sal. And so it was like initial was like, okay, this is acceptable and it's kind of fun. Let me really lean into it and see if I can like, figure it out. So again, it's kind of like the timing of things. Yeah. Um, within, that, within that realm, um, did you, when you had to MC or host and we're looking at the half pipe, did you have tension against yourself that you weren't in there or was it totally cool to be watching and be stoked or was this been so be like, ah, oh, you piece of shit. I could have flipped and McTwist that better. Ah, fuck. You know, like how was your tension internally that you couldn't talk to others about? Yeah. Because, um, yeah. How was that? No, no, no. Um, you know, I, I left, I left snowboarding meaning, um, it was 2010. It was time for the Olympics. I kind of wanted to do it again. I trained to be able to do it, but then friends, the headphones had started taking over and it was like, like I'm making money here. I believe in this. We can do something here. Plus like I can't keep up anymore. Like I'm, I try to be pretty self-aware of like what's working, not working, what, you know, like who's coming up. I was traveling with all the, the friends crew, you know? Um, so it was, it was a good segue over. Um, I had already been doing TV stuff as well. So that was kind of another, another item that I felt good about, but it's funny though. I still have dreams where, I, my career didn't end because of me wanting to, it was like, it's just like a negative vibe. It's weird. I'm always like, and I wake up, I'm like, wait a second, you're kind of like going to school, not dressed. You're kind of like, but, but I was dressed, right? Like, um, so yeah, I don't know. I, it's, so when I'd watch it, it was, it was all out of respect and, and admiration and tricks for things I could never do, nor would I want to do in the sense of the risk factor. Yes. I would love to be, feel that, but, um, so no, there's never an, an animosity like that. And then even now, even further away, it's just like, you know, like knuckle hop, all this sort of stuff. You're like, what is going on? You know, so yeah. it's a hundred percent just like you guys are insane. I love it. The, um, the Olympics, I remember because I think there was, you know, four spots or five spots or whatever, but you missed out by point three. Yeah. That was fun. Like that, that, was, the, a, that, the, that was one I wasn't happy about. Yeah. Yeah. So, so go there for a sec because obviously you know, was it a, do you felt you deserved it? Do you felt you got robbed? You were ready for it. You just weren't as fully into it and committed. Like where was the headspace at, at that during that couple of month period? Yeah. Um, well, the headspace was totally jacked because I'd always dreamed about going to the, to the Olympics when I, like my parents were divorced, but like I lived with my dad kind of like middle age. We watched the Olympics together 
And I'd always had this like dream to go to the Olympics and, but I'm like, you know, 5'10 and have no athletic ability outside of like action sports. So that was never happening. And, but so then when the Olympics started coming around and stuff, it, it, it seeded that idea. And then my dad had died six months before the Olympics, which I always kind of, you know, wanted to go for him. And then when he's dead, I'm like, I want to go for you, dad, I'm doing it for you. So that was like totally jacked my brain. Um, but I think the way that I have peace with it is, it's, he always said, he's like, it's a, it's a judge sport. So if you want to win, mm. like you have to win by enough that the judges can't take it away from you. So in one regards, I want to go, oh, I was in New Jersey. Someone from New Jersey actually beat me. So happy they beat me by 0.3, blah, blah, blah. And I go down that, 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 that dialogue, but it doesn't serve me because it's like, number one, I'm blaming someone, so I can't control it. And then number two, it's like, dude, it's a judge sport. Like, I have bias without knowing I have bias in everything in life. Why, why? So it, it doesn't really matter. I didn't win by enough of a margin to, to deserve to go. And I guess that's where I like to live because it's like, that's more factual. Yeah. Did, um, what's the biggest regret you have from snowboarding? Um, the big, I mean, I have lots, is right? But you, I think, is there something you could have done that you knew that you weren't you were kind of half-assing or was there a moment that you should an opportunity you should have taken that you didn't no actually my regrets from snowboarding very little to do with snowboarding i mean i i you only know what you know right so when i was exposed to eating healthy i ate healthy when i was exposed to working out i started working out when um i always tried to like show up and do my best like i think the actual the only item to be like oh i wish i would have actually just tried a double mctwist because I'm sure I would have liked landing, and I'm sure it would have been easy. And I thought about it a million times on trampolines, diving boards, everything. Um, but then I'm also like, yeah, I could also broke my neck, <laughs> right? So that I try not to visit too much. Uh, just, I try now is I traveled over a million miles. I experienced so much. And if if someone really asked me, like, oh, like where have you been in Europe? I'm like, uh, I can go to, like St. Moritz because like I kind of like I just don't remember because I was so in the zone of like next shoot, next contest, where we at, blah, blah, blah. like it was so moving that I like, my life is so slow now, but I get to experience mm. the now moments and they're rich and they're juicy and they're amazing. And they don't sound sexy if I tell you about them, but they're like, they're, they're life giving. Where I look back on my career and it sounds sexy and nice, but it's like, I don't remember any of it. You know, it's just like, I mean, I do, but it's, I don't know. I don't really like have these like, like when you talk to people that, you know, go on like a ski vacation or something and they're talking about these like stories and you're like, Oh, that sounds so rad. And like, wait a second. I lived that for, for like 15 years. <laughs> so that's the only regret. I wish I would have enjoyed the, the journey more. Yeah. Cause I can imagine, you know, it's literally that you're living out of a suitcase. You don't have coat, coat hangers. You don't have a home address. It's just back to back to backs from here to here to comp to comp. You're, you're in the, you're in a, a washing machine of winter you know yeah. um yeah. and now you if you had you know one halliboard day for one day this year you'd probably remember it probably better than totally. most seasons potentially because yeah. it's not a blur of haze and i think sometimes too it's not that you're not being present in the moment but you've you're there for a goal and there's so much in front of you that it's almost what's next what's next what's next and mentally you're already at and then i've got to go to this open to that and then i've got boom boom boom, boom. you know um yeah that's interesting so you've been pr present in the moment for those pieces that's it's kind of cool though, because it shows that you know you're in a probably a different stage now to to experience more of those cooler things in life, or at least just be more present for those things that that probably matter a bit more than you you think. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And like you said, you're only worried about like 
Yeah, I need to get my back-to-back -back 10. Zinni, get this contest. Where am I going to be at next? You're, you're like a mile away from Milan. You want to go see it? Fuck Milan. Sorry for lunch. I need to learn the things, right? Kind of like, <laughs> so yeah, just figure out where, you, where your focus is. The, um, what, was the, what was the energy like within the burden team that was riding pipe at the time compared to others? Like there was obviously a, a Sean and the friends thing. There was a Burton and others. And then there was a kind of a, it felt like anyway, there was a, are you a pipe guy or a slope guy started to sort of come through as people sort of started to split and go down these sort of tangents. How did you navigate the energy between um, talent and team? Between talent and team? What do you mean by? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, the, your your teammates with them, but at the same time you rip their face off and beat them. And then was it was it like was it friends versus the world? Was it Burton against them? Was it like where was the? How did you feel of of? Yeah, how how did that feel? Uh, for me, I always um, I don't know. Like I'm a I'm just a super competitive person, especially back then. But not like competitive to where competitive enough to care to to like have fun. So if we're gonna play Risk mm. and we're gonna play for four hours. It's like life or death, like we're at the Olympics or something. But afterwards, it's like, whatever, be pissed for like half an hour and cool. But I like that that energy and that vibe. And I think for snowboarding, I'm a big golfer as well. Um, I just love that I'm, I'm competing against you, but if you have an epic run and yours is better than mine, you win. Like, you know, it's like, like it's, I need to go learn new tricks. I need to perform better on the day. So it's we can compete against each other, but without you, there's no stage created. So I never mm. – I think even for like me with the boys or me with Sean or anything, like it was never me hating you for that. Um, and I think when you're, when you're really in, in the flow of like a season or something, you can appreciate when someone is pushing you past where you would ever be pushed, pushed. Right. Um, that's just how I was looked at it. I think there was, there was definitely mm. beef in other cliques. I think there was, you know, I also friends with Sean and, and the French crew, like I was 10 years older than all of them. And for Sean, he's just, a, he's just a mutant anyway. So it's like, I never felt this, like, I need to be better than you. You know, it's like, I know you guys are going to be better. That's, that's how this works. Right. Like, um, so I think my, my, my perspective on it was just different. And I think that that's a, it's everyone runs their own race. Right. Um, well, it was, and I saying this to Mace, you know, in, in that whole core in that world, it was, um, you know, you were the, the kind of the, you were big bro, you know, it wasn't people were like trying to come against you or whatever. So how do you navigate the energy between um, all being on burden, but then there being the Sean thing and being the, the, the not Sean thing. How and you that were kind was, of. That was horrible. <laughs> that was horrible so, because Sean and, I, Sean and I used to be like really, really good friends, right? Like, I mean, he was super cool to me, like and my daughter and like everything. I mean, like we're both old timers, even though he's not old. So like, yeah, that was that was both awkward and also just a bummer, right? Like I, I get it mm. on both sides, um, but it's kind of like I guess you're uh, you're, in, you're stuck in the middle, kind of. But then commercially, there was a different hat you wear because I I remember yeah. the um, I think it was one of the burden open after things is me, you, Sean, a whole bunch of the crew that went out was all the burden boys. But there was just a very distinct split of crew that were hanging, and I'd never, I'd heard about, I'd heard all the shit, blah blah. And then I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" I was like, "Aren't you all on the same team?" Yeah, <laughs> like, so I felt empathy for you, kind of feeling like you're stuck in the middle a little bit on that one. But big, yeah, I mean, big bro, but care, but commerce, it's tough. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's like anything where there's drama within your within crews or within you know 
boil it down to high school or anything, right? And you get sucked into like, wait a second, a couple gets divorced and now we can't hang out. It's like, no, you can't hang out because I hate that person, whatever, right? And it's it's part of a lot of programming. I like in hindsight, and probably part of it was I grew up straight edge till I was 21, and which was cool because I didn't drink, I didn't do drugs, I didn't do anything. Um, but in hindsight, like those those kids, which I owe a lot to, they you know they they helped me with so much. But they would go to parties and slip people's tires and stuff for drinking, right? It's like, dude, they're having a beer. <laughs> straight edge is cool when it's yourself for me, but like when you're when you're then affecting other people in a like a super hostile way because their choice to like want to get like have drugs or drink. I think that's just where it can go bad. And I think the same thing, even with like, when you look at like friends crew and, and Sean, it's like, there's so much good. But then if, if we leverage the good in a way that's not really honoring the good, it's that doesn't equal. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like, good with the, yeah, I was gonna say, is it all good now with the friends crew and Sean? Is everyone, is everyone just like grown up and moved on? Or is there still just like t- tingles of, cause I guess there's the commerce for what happened with friends, but then, yeah, well, I get that it's it's inception to the end. I mean, for I can only speak to friends because I don't I, I'm not in the industry enough to know how the how their relationship is. I would imagine that they pushed by it. Who knows, right? I think as you get older, kind of we talked about earlier, your your perspective and appreciation for things changes. Um, I don't know. Um, but as far as like, you know, for me with friends, I mean, the only the only people that I speak with, sadly, you know, Daniel sent a text once in a while. Um, and Mace, right? Like Mace and I both, we've, we've had gnarly journeys into drugs, into, into rehab, into like all sorts of chaos, <laughs> um, which I think when you get your ass beat, like it helps humble you or helps you appreciate, again, the, the joys, like, like not like, like, oh, it's been down, like no friends, no nothing, I've lost everything. Like you start to appreciate things a little more, right? You also mm-hmm. then appreciate, I think, people that are in those spots that come back and like, that's not guaranteed. You think being a pro is hard coming back from some of those areas is gnarly. So yeah, I don't know. It's, it's tough, right? His, um, speaking to Mace, I had known a little bit about it from the outside, but you know, he, he got into the, the, the weeds of, you know, from essentially Olympian to, to homeless drug addict living in a car, six month rehab, whole first kickoff. And now he's in the barber world, you know, shaping his thing up. <laughs> And he said the number one thing he missed was that camaraderie of, of friendship within it. And it was quite kind of, it was really interesting of a commercial business built around friendship and having someone's back, but then feeling so alone, not to really have the thing that you actually probably needed at that time. Yeah. 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 It's ironic, right? Um, Cause then yeah. it's real world shit. Yeah, totally. Right. Like, I mean, it's, it's mind blowing to me, like I'll own all the stuff that I, that I did um, for the, with, you know, to the French crew or what they think that I did or any of that sort of stuff. hundred um, percent. Were there moves that were made? Yes. But to, to, and I've never, and, and I, and I struggle with it now and I'm, uh, this was a huge lesson, but I also was never at a time period in my life where like you call someone, you know, and they refuse to answer. Like I've talked to a bunch of people since then and like, they're like, no dude, like, that's just how it is. And I'm like, okay, well I just never up until a couple of years ago, if I know someone or if someone knows me, if I don't see your message, I can't reply. But like, if I see it, even us, like, hey, like, you want like, cool, love it, right? Like, it's, I just, I just never experienced that where someone goes, we don't talk anymore, ever. Yeah, you know, it's gnarly to me, and, I, and whatever. Book. What? Black book. Yeah, just like, like you're not even gonna give me like even like the humor text, like thumbs up, <laughs> like like nothing. And to me, it's just I don't know. It's uh. 
like I said, I never experienced it. And it's not something I would ever want to do to someone. I would rather just be like, Hey, this is, this is why I can't talk to you. Either it's about you or it's just me. Usually it has to be us, but, um, I would always just try to give someone the common courtesy, but I'm sure I don't talk to tons of people that say I'm doing the same thing to them. Who knows? Right. Like I also try to be very aware of that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, trust me, it's a head trip. I think when you're running it, when you're a CEO, you raise a ton of money and then you lose the people's money that you invested and you do everything in your power. Like, I mean, I invested a million dollars of my own money. I lost my house, my, my family, everything trying to fight for it. And there's ego in there as well, but it's still like this to be like done. It's just crazy to me. You How know? did the, um, was the biggest mistake? What was the biggest mistake with friends? with the friends crew was it the you didn't have an inner circle of like commercial executioners that have done that stuff in the past was it naivety from the young bucks just trusting the big brother like what was the what was the hook like if you were to unpack the whole thing where, where was well, mine, the mine's going to be skewed right so meaning one we i think we started a company with 10 owners like it's <laughs> at, at like i mean i i just got divorced three years ago and when I talked to my ex-wife who I love and she's amazing but we are so different and we were together for 17 years and it's like I'm like looking at it like holy cow we don't believe anything the same so when you when you start a company with 10 people at that age it's going to get pulled at many levels I I think that's probably the most fundamental one right like mm -hmm. now through my lens meaning like okay yes we, we launched into headphone space it was skull candy and sony had a headphone company and beats and like endless and i pivoted to women and then we go down that route of hey we our, our opening orders were two million dollars from apple and best buy all north america like that's not a bad move from a, a reason to want to differentiate and innovate in a category that's also exploding but also then very competitive i think fundamentally like i said emotionally i think it was that we pivoted because it's kind of like, dude, you just did a company and it's not just sports and now you're going into women's fashion. Yeah, I'll own that. <laughs> I was also trying to raise money to do things and nobody wanted to compete against Skullkenny and beat by Dre in the same category with no money and they have gnarly influencers and it just didn't make sense. Um, I don't think there's a single headphone company around that was in the action sports space like today. Um, all of the industry imploded. I think from a business perspective, as a business person, then running that was, we exposed, one, it's the business model of headphones is gnarly. You have about six months from PO to collecting on the POs, you know, from like PO, development time, shipping time, ship it in, get paid on that 60, net 30. The biggest one was the contract we signed with Apple was a, was a terms deal, so consignment. So yes, we got $2 million POs. Yes, they prepaid us 500,000, but I wasn't that close to the contracts to realize that if it doesn't sell, we don't get paid. So now we're out $2 million worth of inventory that if we don't flip it, we're still burning cash against that, which that creates a whole bunch of debt. And then we're out there raising on a, on a, on a beat up balance sheet, trying to figure it out. So I think that was the one great opportunity of getting an app on Best Buy. But I think like a lot of companies that they crush the lack of turning because we just launched as a women's telephone company. We had no press before that moment. Um, and the industry wasn't there yet. We were ahead of our time. I was still convincing people that you'd wear headphones with your, with your iPhone if you're a woman. So, yeah, well, I, I gonna, yeah no, totally. But when I was, because I was talking to a friend about it after the Mace interview, and I was thinking, 
surely the play would have been some type of simple licensing deal with someone with the back-end infrastructure to go and execute against all that sort of shit, right? So you guys can just stay creative at the front end, help with the design, tick some boxes, do some cool shit, help with the brand, and then get the get the big dogs to run it. Was that ever brought up as an option to partner with someone else to do it on your beh- behalf and you, you, you just play with the marketing and the creative side? Was that an option? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, we went to a company, we, we started a deal, they trademarked the name the name out from under us, which we ended up fighting for two years back. And and we were like, you know what? I think we need to do this ourselves, right? And but that's like the play, right? Like, like we yes, we we I was aware enough we don't want to go do this. But when you try to partner with someone and then they basically roll you over the coals beyond, um, yeah, you know, we can do this. And we had like we had the president of Burton Snowboards from previous. Um, as the chairman of our board, we had a gnarly board of advisors, board of directors, like we were doing everything that you could possibly do right. There was just definitely some other items that came into play that made it very hard to, to succeed. How, how was the weight of you being a CEO with friends that were close to you who were also genuine friends, but that it, as investors, because when you're young, you don't know what's up with money. But then also yeah. when you're in commerce, you've got friendships and, you know, so, you know, money and friends, you know, a lot of times don't mix. How did you balance being a CEO, navigating personal and professional relationships with the exact same person? Um, well, I think like anything, when it's working, it's easy, <laughs> right? Um, when it's not working, then it becomes difficult, whether it's just ultra pros or not, right? Like we had two billionaires as investors. We had people that had a lot of money. We had people that had decent money, right? Um, they're all accredited investors, which now I see like, Hey, if you're going to, someone's going to lose some money. It's nice to like, they have a certain wealth if they're going to lose 50 grand. Right. So it's like, yes, it hurts, but they have a certain wealth. Right. Um, I think the, I tried to do the best that I could knowing that I had great people like saying like, you got to do investor updates. You got to keep stuff tight, all these sorts of things. I think like anything you can nitpick it to death. Um, I think the the one item that comes to play the most, and I see it even the company that I'm trying to help now because they're in a, a little bit of a shaky situation, which is why I came in to try and try to help them. Like, hey, I've been here. I, here's here's the bombs. Uh, when it is when it's you have other people talking in their ear, right? So it's mm. it's like, oh, what, what do you mean? Like, what what do they do? This that whatever it is, and it's kind of like, and they're they're just trying to help too. I'm not saying people are malicious, but they're it's the whole story understanding how things actually play out what are the actual goals and yeah it sucks i mean it mm-hmm. like and i think for me it double sucks i'm like dude i had than any athlete i had 10 times more money in it so it wasn't like hey put some money and yeah. i'm not going to like i put in 10 times the amount of money than you did <laughs> like so clearly i believed in it um but it sucks. I mean, losing anyone money. You go. I mean, you go to the you go to the movies and you you know lose money or like someone's ungrateful for certain things. And it's kind of annoying. So I get it. You know. Um, yeah. Would you do it again? Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm helping this company. and I'm getting ready to launch another wellness company. But it's it's totally different, right? Like. Yeah. I'm glad that What's most of. The- everything <laughs> I mean on this topic of just I learned the value of money because I went down to I was living in my brother's house a year ago on his garage floor with my car was all I had for four grand and some stuff in it like I had five homes MTV cribs like 
and I lost everything through lawsuits through everything. So I think now going like, and then I was like doing like literally driving you doors. Five yeah. homes. What? Yeah. You had five. <laughs> then, then, then I was driving DoorDash, like delivering food to just make like three dollars here, ten dollars there, whatever. So I think that gave me real perspective of money. Like I would always work hard when I was younger, but then you you when you start making money you just kind of forget like and then you get into very the manifestation like i think it happens because you have like a team around you you have influence and it's just you forget that that's not everyone and i i always say to people like, Dude, just just do it like what are you waiting for and i still try to tell myself that of like but it's it's uh it's like a it's like a river that you get in and if you can lock into that feeling of flow and understanding how certain things like laws of the of the universe work you can leverage it I've tasted it, so yeah. I get it, but I also now understand how hard it is to get back there. So yes, I would do it. I am in, in the process of doing it. But taking other people's money, number one, I'm very scared to do that, right? It's kind of like, yeah. let me build it in first, prove it. Um, just a lot more of that sort of stuff. Like I don't ever wanna, um, I don't ever wanna lose someone's money. And if I do, I just want it to be handled way better. And I still thought I, hit, I did a really good job. I remember, um, I don't know if you remember this, we're in CES maybe a year, two years ago maybe, and I we passed really briefly in the middle of a thing. I was like, yo, what's up, man? It's like, how's things? And I was like, how's it going? And you're like, not good at all. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, oh, hi, bro. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. And I was like, and I had no idea about any of the shit that was going on, but you were just yeah. like totally up front. You, you, you see what up and then bailed. And I, and I was like, what what's what's happened oh shit there's some shit's going on so so what happened <laughs> at what level i mean it was like you know when i mean friends are just a mind bender like not to get into the weeds of it but like the society stuff was just mind-blowing to me right like the like the narrative so behind like that, 50 yeah yeah you know it's like it's like and i just all the text messages everything i have it but none of it really matters right once someone says something it's done um it's still never even like talking to him. Like we won't connect. So just be like, wow, like the narrative changed that much from my, from my lens. Um, then my partner I out with other and still like, you know, I've never been able to talk to him since like this, again, these walls, right. We're like, 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 can't you at least just yell at me and tell me what you think, you know, kind of like these situations. And then through that was towards the end, we'd stabilize, stabilize the company. We were a team of three. Um, and then we had, a, we had a line of credit out from a bank that basically investors were just tired of and they let it go. Um, but through that was just, I got sued by Nordstrom. They were trying to sue me for eight counts of fraud for something that was a company that I purchased later that I wasn't even the owner of when it went down, but still it's court, you got to pay to tell your story. Um, so yeah, I lost my house, stressed my wife, got divorced, lost everything. I mean, that's just 2016. Um, and then on top of that, right, it's all the other emotional stuff. Like it's friends, it's you're in this vortex of focusing hyper on this thing when it implodes and you have literally nothing because you haven't talked to any other humans. So you have no friends. It was just, and then I'd already been doing so drugs. ironic. What? It's, it's so <laughs> ironic. The name of the brand is the one thing It's similar to Mace in, in many, in many regards. The one thing that it was built for, for each other, no one's actually there for, for you to even have a conversation. Yeah. yeah, it's. And so, and then it went to the drugs after that. So I was straight at 21. And then at 21, I was going to New York City listening to 
like um, trance music because it wasn't called EDM back then. Um, and I started doing ecstasy, a GHB then ecstasy. And I'd done that for, I don't know, 20 years, something like that. Um, not, I guess, 20, 19. Um, but like, I liked it because it wasn't available. It was like, there's certain built-in like helpers to not push it over the edge. Um, and also, I believe that there's an element of, whether it's plant medicine or drugs, there's an element of, of done in the right manner can open up your mind. Can get, it's like, I believe there's good that could be achieved through it. Now, granted, I also believe that it definitely, I believe that it helped me in some ways and also destroyed me, right? Or I allowed it to destroy me. Um, but towards the end, and when basically, when everything you've ever worked for is crumbling around you and you have no friends and you have no support and all sorts of things, you basically want to run away, cry, kill yourself. Like when I look back at my act, yeah. Yeah, it's like, I wasn't saying to myself I want to kill myself, but I did not want to be on earth, right? And it's gnarly. You're like, and then, and then as humans, we're, we're patterned. So it's like, like whether it's like my, like my wife and I lived together after we were like split up as we were selling the house from the, from the lawsuit. It's like, I already know that if I want to go do something, I just like say three words, get a fight, I'm out the door, now I can go do what I want, right? It's like that uh, whole insane asylum. Um, but it's like that you can control, right? There's like, I think there's an element of control in there when everything else is spinning around. You're like, well, I know I can go do drugs here and do this and that, right? It's like, and I think the profile. What you can control. It's what how yeah. you can get to that space. Yeah, I get it. And it's the, I think the profile, right? Like, usually athletes like gambling. Usually athletes like certain things. Like, there's there's built-in elements that, that are helpful. But like anything, there's also built-in elements to those helpful things that are destructive yeah the yeah the um the, the headspace of drive and determination and stubbornness gives mm -hmm. so much asset while you've got the talent to execute within a, a specific lane but those same attributes that got you to that spot without that talent and in the out in the wild can yeah. can go go south pretty quick <laughs> well said that's a, that's a, that's really all, all of it right you're so spot on and then the worst part is like you're saying that then if you're blessed, I believe, to come full circle to realize, hey, ego and all these other things and stubbornness, yes, what you said, when you have this setup, they can work. But when you don't, dude, those are those are really bad qualities. Like and, and you can't really repeat that. Right? Like you, and it's you fired up. Balance. Yeah, and balancing those relationships of, you know, been married together for a partner for 17 years and then, you know, it being kind of snow care and then coming out of it to business care, it was the the intersection of frustration for all those relationships was the fact that you jumped into commerce, essentially, and then that's what brought all, all the rest of it. Was that the that's the transition point instead of, you know, going into the sunset and, you know, getting a coaching gig up at Mammoth and, and still shredding around whatever, you know, was it the, you know, jumping into a totally different world, which changed the dynamics and the energy and the, the attitude of the relationship? Was that kind of the, plus I'm guessing logistically, you're probably home a lot more too, right? But how do uh, no, you balance I mean, that? For, for friends, we had a, an office in, in Carlsbad slash Encinitas and in New York City. So I was bi-coastal um, two weeks in each month. Um, still traveling a bunch for that. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I guess, I don't know if you've ever seen the Rob Dudek, um, impact theory interview, but I, I, it's always resonated with me because it's for someone to, to share what they believe that I should do is, is always a tough one, right? It's kind of like, 
cool. So like you're an athlete, then you become a coach, then you do this. Like in hindsight, when I look at JJ, I'm like, shit, that would have been a good decision. But that, that's just not, that's not me. Right. Like to me, mm. I, I love snowboarding. It's the vehicle that taught me everything and, and belief and friendship. But I look at that as it was still a vehicle, meaning mm. I love friends in that way. Taught me a ton, got to express myself. I got to create birth, new ideas into it, whether it's a trick or an idea or a design language or whatever it is, got to grow, got to suck, got to learn. Um, it created a stage. So I, I just like, I like, you know, if those are cars, I like driving. Right? I, I think now I'm going to drive a little bit, you know, with maybe a seatbelt on, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to go park and, and just like clean my interior. Mm. The, um, have you approached, do you have a, a new partner now? Um, for the, for the new one? Yeah. yeah no, I'm saying for you, for, so your, your, your relationship with the partner has your relationship with, um, your new partner outside of not your, not your ex-wife. Have you approached your relationship differently with how you approach it? You mean like dating partner? Yeah. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. So I, I have a girlfriend now. Um, and yeah, it's totally different. I met my I met my girlfriend, my my ex, when I was twenty four, which I've always felt like a late bloomer. I was probably the mental, you know, awareness and everything of like a sixteen year old. So, <laughs> um, so I, I, everything's different, right? Like just the um, communication, openness, owning your crap, um, like so many things. When I think back to my my ex, I'm like, fuck, like. I, there's a million things that I'd have done better to honor her to, to have created a better relationship, like so many things. Um, so yes, being very aware of like what didn't work and walking through again, those tunnels of transformation to own stuff and to, yes, to be open about everything. Um, I think also if you've, if you've had a relationship for that long and then it doesn't work, you understand how damaging it is to everyone. Right. Um, so never want to put another human through that again. Um, including myself. Yeah. yeah. It's, the transit, the transition down. It's almost the, the the rebuild phase. The um, so we, if there was a leadership lesson for yourself for going round two to to build friends two point what would you do? What's the one thing that you'd you'd structure differently to take on the next venture? Team strategy, output. Um, well, like. I don't know. Like I, so I, I, some of the employees from Fred, I still talk to it in, in, especially when in dark times, you think you're a total loser and they're like, no, these are the things that you're actually really good at. Right. So I love sucking the best out of people. I love creating energy of people, not like creating energy of like how people can believe in the impossible. And like that, that feeling of the, that we burst something and then it starts, starts to work and just like what it takes to get people there. Um, oh, that was you. Um, yeah. And then just like, so, so that part, I, I just love working with, with humans. And I think from, uh, and knowing that you have their back, right. And, and, and are, are there for them, which I, I felt like I, I always done, I think areas of the right people, right. And the right people on, in the right seats. Um, I was blessed. We had an epic team of like straight ninjas, but I really now get to see how good they are or how good they were or are. Um, I was way more ego driven. Like I wanted to be the man. I wanted to like make this work. Um, not understanding that like our zone of genius can be in certain areas. Like hey, you, you can be the guy that bursts an idea, but there's other people that can create the proper systems and really scale it. Uh, so I think a lot of that sort of stuff um, of just 
not getting, I don't know, like some, someone gave me the, someone was like, you know, you start a business that can run on itself and then you can make money in the grand scheme of things. And I had never, I was just the guy that created a, I worked myself into a really cool job. I wasn't trying to make friends where it could function without me. I was trying to mm. create a company and sell it and make money, whatever it was, but it wasn't, I wasn't building an engine, right? Like yeah, you were doing yeah, yeah. It's a difference. It's, it's, this, it's scaling in the engine to, to, to be the, a true business that can actually function mm -hmm. without you. But the majority of the time, the solopreneurs or whatever, and I've been there you know, plenty of times myself, is it feels like you have to do it or you don't feel like you're actually working where there's nothing wrong at all with the creation, the curation, the ideation, the building, and then actually just the delegation to oversight to then just puppet string at the top at board level. It's yeah. tough when you're passionate about it, but you need to like separate separate out for it you know so that, that that's i mean that's great learnings for the for the next one right yeah no 100 percent um i mean i think i think all painful things create the the perfect opportunity to learn if you're even remotely looking because if you're not remotely looking you're going to learn again but yeah that's what you said <laughs> the um if you were to rewind through snowboard world and when you look at the impact that you know, I guess the burden and the, and the support. Um, Jake Burton was a huge part of it. And I want to touch on just, just for a second of, it always felt like he was playing a different game to everyone. Um, I remember on the come up, there were so many people that, uh, I, I clearly remember actually, 2006 before I went to change to Burton in 2007, um, a bunch of people, oh, you know, Burton sell up, blah, 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 all the rest of it. I remember sitting down with Guy Alte in New Zealand, I sat in his office and he said, um, he goes, oh, you know, do, you know, trying to get me across, whatever. And he specifically goes, so these guys calling you sellout and stuff potentially for going. I'm like, yeah, hard out. I was like, okay, cool. He goes, oh, well, you know, who, who owns Burton? I'm like, oh, Jake. And how many times does he snowboard a year? I'm like, oh, 100. Okay. And then who owns, let's say, you know, argument brand X is like, oh, you know, shareholders. Oh, actually, surfers. Oh, actually, blah, blah, blah. He's like, okay, so you're telling me that they're giving you shit for a brand that they ride for is actually owned by shareholders and suits in New York on wall street. They have never actually snowboarded before their own soy sauce companies and you know, all sorts of other shit. And they're giving you shit for calling you a seller because you're wanting to partner with someone whose owner isn't publicly is, is, is privately owned. He snowboards hundred days a year and does everything back to the sport. And I'd never thought of, that and then as i've got and i was you know this is years ago but as i've got older i've i always felt that there was um he got given so much extra shit for being almost the the monopoly in a world where if it wasn't for him there would be no game and with where he was playing just felt so disconnected and it wasn't until i had one of my a mentor in new zealand he talked about um you know just stop squabbling over this fish and chip bullshit. and he said as a passing line but i've always remembered how he talked about there's a game that's actually being played at a macro and there's fish and chips, small niggly bullshit at the, the bottom, which people are fighting over with specs at the bottom. And mm -hmm. I just wanted your, your take on seeing Jake Burden and the brand and business of what Burden did, you being so close to him. Was that the truth that he was just playing a totally different game to others? How did that whole, how did you feel with, 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 with Jake and Burden with what he was actually doing for the sport of snowboarding? Yeah. Um, well, first I'm biased, right? <laughs> <laughs> he bought you five houses, I'm sure. <laughs> exactly. Um, 
But I think uh, back to this, I'm a, I, I'm a gnarly competitive person. And I think, you know, and I talk about this in, in depth in the, in that new interview. Um, but he, he, he was on such another level of just like, as an example, depending on how I was raised, most people wouldn't lose five homes. <laughs> You'd have proper like corporation protecting you. Right. Like I got popped with like, Commingling of funds was the real reason that if I fought it, it would have been really hard to win, even though it was total BS. But like, there was like, I just didn't have things set up, right? Like, people that like come from money or like have proper, like, they just, they're indoctrinated on another level, right? It's kind of like, like Trump, like, you get that many lawsuits, no big deal. You get that many bankrupts, no big deal. You're set up, you're insulated against it. So I think when I think of him, like, he came from, or he created, he came from however he got it, but he had that sort of knowledge of like real like moving figures around. Um, it was extremely competitive. I mean, you want to talk about like, you'd be on a golf course and thinking that you might not get like a new contract because he's that pissed if you beat him, which I'm not going to lose on purpose. So, but that was what was fun. Then he wouldn't like hold against you. But, like that's his level of just like, he was just ruthless. Um, I think a lot of people on the inner circle would say like, did he enjoy life? And like, that's not the question here. It's just like, that's like, he was, that, that was his spirit, right? So I think, to be the best, to be at the top, like Sean White's gnarly like that too. Like it just, you have to have, I think a certain level to, to crush like that. Um, mm. Whether you paint that picture to the world or whether you don't, I think it's still in there. It's a spirit to hold the best, to hold 50% of the market for that many years. Um, mm. With that, he also, for me, he taught me how to dream. He, he would, he would like fly us to Celtics game, not just to show off, but was like, dude, this is possible. Like, him telling stories about running ads to ski magazines and them saying like, hold your money. This is stupid. We don't want your money. And he's like, no, like it's for him to have a dream and to turn it into that. It's like, Hey, like focus, this is real. Like I'm not special. Like all those sorts of things. And like being exposed to all the things that he exposed us to or me to was just like, Whoa, like this mm. is next level. Um, which you didn't have to. Right. So I think his, his love of life of sport of, of game, yes, came out and maybe gnarly in, in certain things, even with snowboarding, like complete dominance. Like I want to be the best. Like it's like, okay, well, so I don't know. I guess when people, they sell out stuff again, I'm biased. I just think, yeah, he wanted to be the best. He wanted to dominate. Um, and he, and he, and he did that. Um, I don't know. Did in hindsight, thinking, what? like, did he share, did he share his thinking commercially with how he approached sport and no. business and mixing passion with it? No, but, uh, why would he, right? It's, yeah. uh, I think, I think, I think his, his, his passion or his, his, his ideologies showed up in a way that it worked <laughs> to me. Like, kind of like, um, cause I think you have to have that for that, but like, why would, uh, you know, like just, I don't think Sean shows his gnarly competitive nature you know like he's telling people that like he wants to kill him over a risk game like why would you right it's kind of it's kind of assumed in a way right um but i think what he did for the sport and all that was always snowboard focused how do we grow this how do we make it amazing how do we allow new people to be exposed to this great gift um and that that i was indoctrinated with as well like whether it's something i fully understood or not he did just want to expose more people to this amazing blessing of expression that was snowboarding mm. Yeah, and there's not many business owners that would, would do as much as he did for it. I, I just always remember that chat, the way he talked about it. it. just gave me a different perspective on, on you know, balancing passion with profit. 
it's extremely mm-hmm. difficult to do it at that's such a high level but then there's obviously very exactly to your point there's a you know the, the way to be indoctrinated with the way that money works and things actually happen to the outside world i think so many people uh, didn't realize the game he was actually playing i think he it feels like he was just definitely on another level with the way he was um sort of navigating and weirdly enough a fortress against um you know to keep himself safe but to also help help the sport too yeah, yeah. But at the same time you know i'd probably be almost um you know i'd be probably biased too because you know i, I jumped the team especially for that in 2007 so i was on the on a, on a same thing but i got to you know meet him see and see what's happened to the world of snowboard and you know now when you look at all of it and you think you know you've got you know olympic medalists that don't even have sponsors at the bottom of their boards and there's a whole bunch of you know like a wipeout and decimation of commerce within the action sports industry even though it's being consumed more and more and more than ever and people want to do it there's clearly a disconnect between it so you know it was figures like that who actually helped um up the sport a lot so you know i was just i was interested to, to, to touch on that before a bit because it was very yeah i think you know you got to see you got to be close to you know someone in the snowboard world who's you know the godfather that, that helped a bunch of it so it's cool you got a bunch of learnings from it as well and yeah. it's good to know he was as, as competitive as everyone else thought he was yeah. <laughs> and loving you know i remember like like negotiating my deal that I literally thought I was going to leave. And he was just like, Hey, you know where the keys are out of my house and the keys to be in W are in the garage. And like I went down there for a week and just like, you know, like he, like we were hating each other. He didn't have to be like, I, I understand. I was out. You got to do what you got to do for you. And by the way, I'm still going to like be normal to you. You know, I think that was like, to me, that was a huge sign. of just like, okay, yes, obviously he wants to win, but he values other things too. Well, who are you going to go to K2? Oh no, it was, um, oh, I forget. Chris Inglesman ended up going to it. It was, it would have been a bad move, but the In money, no, nah, maybe, was it? Maybe. I don't know. I, I, good I, money, it was, yeah, it was, it was good money, which, you know, I come from nothing. So yeah. <laughs> money, money, was, money was appreciated. What's your, what's your, um, your heritage? What's your, where's your DNA from? Uh, half white, half black. The black uh, only goes to slaves, and then the white is uh, Pennsylvania Dutch and, and uh, German, which is pretty much German German. Huh. Oh. Got ya. Very cool. Um, when I was growing up in snowboarding in New Zealand, I was probably one of the only sort of genetically tanned humans in the ecosystem at the time. Was it the same for you? And your world would have been, right? Yeah, I mean, 100%. But yeah. I mean, I was like the, the, you know, the, the, the new snowboarder issue was, it was all that sort of stuff. But I, 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 it's funny cause I didn't. Did you see it or know it? I knew I, it. I, I, I saw it. Right? I never, like, I said, the only place I really, really felt it was in, was in Norway. When you, when you go to Norway and I guess the team manager had said like, that's because there was a lot of um, East Indians moving in. And I looked very East Indian and I guess there's a lot of hostility towards that. I felt it gnarly. And I dated an yeah. Indian girl when I met her, when my dad met her parents, the dad looks within the first minutes, like my daughter will never date or marry a nigger. <laughs> and my dad, I was like, that didn't go well. <laughs> it was like, and it was like, it was the most awkward half an hour. We'd both driven like pretty long to get there. I was like, Oh my God. But outside of that, <laughs> and then you know, subtle these you're in, you're in Europe, but like, I don't know. I just, I guess I didn't really care. Like it was, and I think like, and it's a, 
like, and I'll talk to Trevor about this, like snowboarding created this, this landscape where it's like, if you don't like me because of your color of my skin, then cool. That's something for you to trip on. I'm not tripping on it, but like, we're going to go battle tomorrow. And if you get beat by somebody that you think you're better because you have superiority, like, because you think you're better, like even more funny, but like, I, I don't know. I just didn't, I never like tripped on it. And I also like, yeah. I've never been in my life. So like, if someone was like, said something, I'd be like, okay, cool. Like, I don't know. I just, my, I have a strong ego, but it's not in that realm. Like need to be the man. And not wasn't enough. It wasn't like 2020 woke culture and shit, but within the pro snowboard world, it was essentially you ran the pipe stuff for anyone that wasn't essentially white or, or Asian. And then um, when forum did its thing, then Stevie bell rolled along. But apart from that, it's been very, scattered and dis and dispersed and in New Zealand one of my good bros that I grew up with buddy Leroy Christensen so he's a young Maori Maori kid as well the, the Maori sort of the, the cultural sort of native people in New Zealand and I remember in 2003 we were snowboarding up at Tahoe and we I mean up in Ruapehu and we said man there's like none of the bros like we, and we never really really realized that there weren't many Maoris that snowboarded so we started yeah. this 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 crew called mwb and we ended up getting photo uh, like stickers and shit put on our board and it was mwb was like Maoris and white boys and the whole yeah. thing was it was like well me and leroy are the only like brown crew that are rolling and it's just going to be out our, our little homies but it was kind of humorous but at the same time yeah i just i wondered from someone at a, obviously at a global elite level um did you because you weren't tripping on it you probably didn't you probably weren't too phased about it right but clearly it was a it was a thing um yeah i was just wondering if you ever felt that that was a that was a thing no just just literally only only in europe i'm sorry only in norway um and then the the super nuanced stuff that like when you sit down at the airport and someone grabs their purse and you're kind of just like like really like but like <laughs> i don't know i got five houses son <laughs> <laughs> I would have fit my velour suit anyway. So, <laughs> so where, so where to now for you? You've had a, a a crazy run. You've you know gone from world superpipe champ to you know in your your buddy's basement. Relationships one lost, money one lost, reset, humility, grown to this next sort of phase. Not in the world that you were in. Like when you wake up now in twenty twenty, where's where's your head at? Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I guess in a, in a massive amount, one, it, it slips in of like, dude, you lost a lot of money. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not delusional about that. Like it's, it's painful. Uh, but with that, there's a of gratitude. There's um, like one, just, I don't know, like it's, it, it's scary to even say, but like when you get to far enough down, like your chances of getting back, like it's gnarly. Like it just is. Like I am so grateful that I was able to get off my meds because I was in Texas and I couldn't get any. And that created a, um, a, like a, a shift in my brain because I could actually like think or not think for a couple months. And I was, you know, like I was hooked on gnarly drugs uh, on top of what we discussed and to get off of that. And um, yeah, just that, to have the, to have the ability to have a full loop. And mm. I, I, and that's what I was going to share that was like, or like I tasted what it tastes like to, to think an idea and create it, whether it's snowboarding, whether it's friends. I, 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 when people talk about manifestation and, and like birthing this, it's kind of like, I, it's still a little hard for me, but like I've, I've done it. Like I, mm. I've lived a few of them to be like, no, it works. And it's still hard to, to do it. Um, so I think for me, as I press forward is I want to help champion people um, that you can do anything right. And to share openly, um, where, where I fell into bomb holes and stupid decisions. Um, mm. You know, for my family, I wasn't there. Like I, 
I'm now developing a relationship with my son that's been amazing, you know, and just being like, dude, like you need a dad. Like, like how many people are messed up in life because they don't have a dad, right? Uh, I even did all this personal development stuff and, and got certified. And I know that that's like the number one cause, right? So it's like to, to go through all that and then not be a good dad, it'd be like a second reboot chance, you know, and same thing with my daughter. Like she's, you know, not talking to me. So having to walk those stages and just, I was getting more focused on things that matter and then uh, the things that I create, wanting them, wanting to create them in more of like a community, a wellness, um, a support, um, and just helping other broken people. Like I've always been an underdog, love the underdogs, want to, um, I think there's a lot of good energy in there, um, if positioned right. And yeah, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. It's the, I wonder about the, um, so certain types of characteristics I've seen with, with people, one is, you know, gnarly CEOs, SAS, military and elite action sports athletes and it's a headspace of knowing that they've been to places that no one else has ever been to you know like you know i, I was saying to mace you know people can explain as much as it's about what it's like going to war blah 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 blah. but you'll never know what it's like to actually be in their shoes to actually go and do it no one will know what it's like to strap up flip and go for a from 20 foot mctwist out of whatever bombing straight into try and front 10 out of it off your toe so blah, blah blah no one knows right except you to get to that point and then when you see the the, the glory and the, the MTV cribs and the houses and the travel and the, the, the party in the world and, and all the rest of it. Would you rather have tasted and seen it all and be back at square one or never have done it to know what it was actually like? Um, well, the, the, the first for sure. But I think the statement that a friend said to me is like, you know, the only thing worse than being broke is people thinking you have money and being broke. 100%. But I think for, for me, because it's, it's my journey in life, like uh, tasting it is 90% of it. Like, mm. if, 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 like if you believe in God and you had to have a death experience where you crossed over and you saw him, you're set, right? You don't, you don't have doubt. You're there. So even for me, like even in the struggle of day one, if I think back, it's like, dude, you did it when you were 16 and, and 30. It's like you've tasted it. You know what it tastes like. You know it's all frameworks. Like the whole reason why Tony Robbins stuff works is because as humans, we're pretty much programmed computers. So like rinse and repeat some stuff. So that belief is everything. The confidence mm. can be built on the belief. So I think, yeah, that's, I would way rather reset and, and have another bad at it than never actually like show up and, and be able to like live that aspect of it. It's hard though, right? It's, it's hard when you're driving around DoorDash delivering food to someone for, for $8, a $5 tip praying for it, and you're like, what the heck did I do? You know, and there's yeah. a, lot of, a lot of ego sh shedding in there, but I think you need it. I mean, I, ego ego death, right? Yeah. It's, um, I, I watched a, a little interview with Mike Tyson um, mm. on his hotboxing thing, and he was talking about ego death of, mm. you know, going to those places to try and, to try and kill it, and it's one of the things I've been thinking about when you know, you're confident and you're rare and all the rest of it, you know, that probably that same thing we talked about before the asset that can get you there could potentially be a liability out of it. How do you then fight or do it? And obviously Tyson's, you know, 53 maybe now, you know, you're 43, I'm 30, 35. So sort of stages of it, but even just the awareness that that's a thing to, because those things which can be the biggest assets are probably 20 times more dangerous as a liability, you know? So 
navigating yeah. that. Um, and Mason was saying the same thing, you know, where he went from then he, um, you know, top of the world X Games, yada, yada, yada. And then, you yeah. know, he was applying for a, a job just as a checkout operator at Whole Foods. And he was stoked because he was getting his, you know, 12 bucks an hour, but then he was oh. getting, you know, recognized from the crash <laughs> reel, people coming up like, yo, why are you in South Carolina or some shit? Like, what are you doing? And he's like, yeah, funny story that. It's like, oh, geez, you know, um, it's, a, emo- it's, it's an emotional journey for it too, right? Dude, it's horrible. Lot. Nobody wants to deal with that, right? Like, but I think I give Mason credit for that too because like, I don't know, it, it's uh, the ego of us is like, dude, that's horrible, I think. But it's like anyone that I would respect and, and people that I have respect, that's why I have this lens, is dude, you got your ass handed to you, but you're like, you're, you're, you're diving back in and figuring it out. Like, yeah, you could have made some smarter decisions, but like, I respect that you're, you're going to humble yourself to go do that. Like, it is what it is. How could any relationships that are existing that people won't answer your call, you feel like you're in a, it feels like, you know, from this conversation, at least anyway, like you're mentally and emotionally in a different space. Like w- what can you do to try and mend those bridges as well? You obviously do it with your family. You're trying to do it with your friends. Like what can or can't you do as a context? As it, you know, you can't do anything with someone who won't pick up the phone. Yeah. Like text message, phone call, anything. I mean, the ego that, that still needs dying for a while, I would just like text once a month just to like kind of have the laughter of like knowing that like you can't even get a humor text. And then I had to let that subside because that's just ego driven anyway. Um, but no, there's just, and this is like, again, talking to people, some people just, you know, when they close someone off, they close them off. That's their style. I'm not saying it's bad or anything. Just, yeah, you know, we're all, we're all different. You've done your piece for it. And so quick little random pivot. Uh, you know, jumping and tweaking around in the um, in the CBD game. Yeah. So talk, so talk about that for a second. Like it is like New Zealand's got a referendum this year to um, basically vote to potentially legalize in New Zealand. People are sort of setting up for it. Here, a bunch of the states that are sort of rolling around are, are bringing a whole bunch of additional tax revenue in. You know, yeah. it's becoming a lot more mainstream. I've, I walked into my first um, like store thing in San Francisco and checked it out. I was like, this is surreal it's like a mcdonald's for weed like what's going on here um what why weed and the the industry of of weed because it's clearly the narrative's changing extremely quickly about it yeah no i i back to kind of like everything just kind of falling into place so you know as you're as I'm delivering food trying to think about what i want to do next you're like trying to think trying to architect trying to reverse engineer figure stuff out um when i was in austin and so I went to Austin completely like done. Um, but I would take, I would take Klonopin to, to panic attack. I would take Adderall to like reverse the panic attack, you know? So I was like pulling my brain in both directions and uh, high, high, high doses I learned later, but I, you, you can't get it in Texas. Like you just can't get it. So eventually I ran out and like Googling, like what happens when you come off of uh, Klonopin? It's like, do not do it on your own. And I'm like, anyways, through that process, um, I started taking CBD to try and like help my mind because I was basically doing drink tasting for this CBD company. Like, you know, like, uh, like going to uh, like Costco and they like a sample. Okay. So I, was like, I was doing that for this drink for this CBD company at like gas stations. And as I'm standing there completely just lifeless, I would be doing the samples myself. I'm like, wow, this stuff actually kind of works. <laughs> so it was just, I was exposed to it through that sort of an example. And, uh, but like I was hooked and I was like, this stuff's amazing. It's, it's healthy and it's, I haven't had a panic attack where before if I got off of my clonopin on vacation, I would have like a panic attack. 
Like that's how just gnarly wow. it was. And then when I came back here, a friend called, called me up, like, hey, I'm doing a CBD company. And I was like, are you kidding? Like I, the stuff just saved me. Um, and kind of like awesome culture and just kind of like fell into it. Right. And then you get to see, and they're all about each one of the founders, their family, like had cancer or had an early skin and tons of operations and seeing CBD, how it changed their lives. And you know, the rest is, I guess the beginning, um, but very natural being open. How big do you think the markets, how do you think CBD is going to play out for the rest of America and then globally as an industry for the next five years? Um, uh, my lens is that it's, it's, it's like water, meaning like it just, it'll be in everything. If you actually just drink water and don't drink anything else, you'll be a pretty healthy, amazing human. <laughs> if you, if they give people, um, the benefits are just, they're, they're, there's too many benefits. Even like the oil, like the, the snake oil salesmen, like if they're even using crappy product, it'll get people results. Um, so I think the way I look at it is, the reason I'm doing it besides this company and my project is it's super low barrier to entry to get in, but that makes it super competitive. Right. Um, so I think that that'll all get bought up by, by big companies, big pharma as everything kind of changes because it is kind of like we'll have CBD and everything. It'd be like a, a flavor, right? Kind of like everything is like uh, energy plus or like, you know, supplement plus and I think it'll be in there for me. I look at it as it's, um, it's like a sticker. Friends have started as a sticker company. It's a it's a vehicle to encapsulate a bunch of ideals and philosophies and, and lessons that will spawn off into other products. Um, but I think it'll eventually just get sucked into like as an ingredient in everything. So I don't think it'll be sold um, outside of maybe some like really high end private label stuff. Um, they get sucked into the big the big companies. So it will essentially become a, a almost a base ingredient of, you know, human 2.0. But what will eventually happen, I'm imagining, is, you know, I don't know if it's happened already, but, you know, do the Coca-Cola start buying them up? Do the tobacco companies start buying them up? Do they put them into the, does, you know, does Amazon get, get its own sort of white label, its own thing rolling? Like how does, um, Only about you feel it will get to that stage, but it will get to there? All of the above. I mean, you can buy it, even if you're private labeling, you can buy it for $5 and sell it for how good your sales message, 50, 60, <laughs> right? Like the margins are ridiculous. Like I can go order some offline if I don't really care about like certain things, but I can go get pretty good stuff and I can pay $5 and have it here in two weeks and sell it. Like we had to fly to Asia, develop something for a year, spend a hundred thousand in mold tooling. Then when it came PO time, we had to put half of it down. Then we had to, like, it's just like, and it was like 45 points margin. This is like 90. So, so yeah, is it a think, brand? So do you, so when it gets, um, you know, it says it's easy access to market, everyone's going to pop up and have their own sort of things. If you're, do you think it's going to come down to a quality and brand game? Or do you think it's going to come down to small niche bespoke, like craft beer type things? Like, so if you were in New Zealand looking at the world market, like how, how do you see it playing out in terms of what brands will win? Does this become a Coca-Cola game or does this become a niche bespoke Tesla? Uh, I think it's a, a mixture of both, meaning like you're going to have the big guys suck up the mass amounts, like alcohol, and then you have the craft beers, or you have the coffee shop side. Because um, there is, there is like the, the way I'm approaching it is very like frequency driven, um, like the actual intentionality that you put into the, the essence. So it's not like, yes, I take this because of I want sleep. I also take this because I know that my lack of sleep is caused by inflammation, but also just by like stories in my head and like belief systems and like other energetic levels. So like, I think there's like, our angle is more energy work type vibe, 
fused into it. I think there's probably other elements like that too, where that's not going to be Coca-Cola. Uh, so I think that there's, there's those offshoots, but I think as everything is changing and just the value of companies being in lists and in customers, it'd be really hard for companies just to refrain, refrain from offloading it. Right. Like it's, Mm. Like pure canna that was uh, this guy Cody Alt did like a year and a half. He sold it for ninety million, and, and then he's got another one. You know, it's this the big. I think there's too much money there for big guys not to buy it all up. Yeah, and then yeah, so some products, and it'll be, like, so it'll be the role. It'll be the the Knicks will be the you know the the, the early explorers come around, figure out what's going to pop, and the big dudes roll crew with their engines and their the infrastructure and and the scalability and all the rest of it, and then basically corporate corporate will come to the weed town probably sooner rather than later. Yeah, and I already think it's there, and I think COVID as an example, like all that's happened for companies investing in innovation in R and D and all that sort of stuff. Like there's shareholders and stockholders are going to need something where I think in the next 18 months, they'll be buying up a ton of companies. So anyone in the wellness space, which is massive. Now there's like an opportunity here to like, Hey, grow something, innovate, I like own a market and then have someone probably buy it up. Who knows? Done and dusted. Um, this has been awesome chatting with you, man. Obviously we've been connected through Snowboard World in and out for, for many a year and it's just cool to connect, reconnect back up and, and sort of ask, find out what happened at Vegas a couple of years ago that it was not going well, but now we know what happened. <laughs> now, 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 I think what happened was that was where Friends was already gone. The new owners had it. It was a really not rad transition. So yeah, that was probably like, and I was still in lawsuits and all sorts of stuff. So yeah, I was probably not, it probably wasn't, like I said, it wasn't going well. Yeah, and I just was really so taken aback because no one tells the truth when you actually ask them what's up. Everyone's like, yeah. Yeah, good, 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 good. And it's like, no, how's it going? It's like, and you're just like, not good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it was awesome. Um, hey, I really appreciate it, brother. And um, congrats on all the successes. The, the Probably the, the full loop back too to be able to be at a spot to, to, to reset um, in a way for, for round two with lots of learnings for um, onwards and upwards, man. And, and and what a journey and a time for you to hit that apex of the talent and the time within within that world for a pretty awesome space to, to give you the experiences that you had. Nah, man, I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for, thanks for taking the time. Uh, to, of to course, so much respect for what you're doing. Yeah, nah, thank you. Awesome, brother. I'll, um, I'll talk to you soon, bro. And um, when I, if I make my way down to San Diego, we'll catch up for, um, for, um, for round two. It'll be great. Yeah, that'd be right. Awesome, brother. All right, man. Talk soon. Later, bro. Bye. What a champion. That was was pretty, pretty, pretty good. What a journey. Jingle bells. Um, What a flipping journey. Kia Dillon, uh, World Superbike Champ, X Games, all the rest of it. Been around the world, done a whole bunch, and um, transitioned back to to go for round two at life. Um, For those who aren't aware, the... You know, the Friends headphones was a huge part of the action sports world coming up against Skullcandy. The Skullcandy was barely at 500 million. These crew came up and obviously, as you heard, 10 owners in the mix. When you've got, you know, you've got ego and money and there's politics and a, a crazy wide world. And then going from an action sports company into a woman's fashion line is one thing. You know, navigating the world of houses and just, geez, flipping journey. I uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, I'll be looking to do um, more like this of things that I'm really interested to, to learn about as well. And so we'll, we'll see. Uh, David Quinn says, thanks for being Love meeting Kia back in 0405 and following his journey. Yep. Shot. That was, there you go, Dave. Give you a bit of props here. Legend. Good dude. Uh, shot everyone. Uh, enjoy the rest of the day and see you all soon. Peace.